You're listening to the Transcend Podcast. I'm your host, Asha Wilkerson, an attorney by training and an educator at heart. This podcast is all about empowering you to build a business and leave a legacy. Here's the thing. The wealth gap in America is consistently increasing. And while full-time entrepreneurship is not for everyone, even a side hustle can change your financial landscape if you're intentional about using your business to build wealth. I've run my own law firm for over 10 years, and in that time, I've helped countless California businesses go from idea to six figures. On this podcast, we talk about what it truly takes to build a sustainable business and find financial freedom. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to Transcend the Podcast. I am super excited to have you here, and I am here with my new Instagram friend that I have met, Traveler Charlie or Charlie Stower. Welcome, Charlie, to the podcast. How you doing? Thank you, Instagram friend. We've never, never met in person, but it feels like we have. So I'm excited to be here on the interlens too. Totally. You know, there are actually like a handful of people that I really connected with through the interwebs that we met a couple weeks ago and we're like, have we really never met in person? So this is just the new age that we're in of like, you know, creating friendships through the internet. So I'm with it. I'm with it. (laughs) So Charlie, welcome. Tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you do. Yeah. So I'm a non-binary Latinx money coach and business wizard helping LGBT and BIPOC entrepreneurs make money their bitch. And I'm currently living in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I'm working as a digital nomad, been here for almost a year and a half now. So don't plan on really going anywhere else at this point. It's nice being in paradise. (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Okay. So two things. First thing that one of the things that I saw when we first connected was your program of make money your bitch or make credit cards your bitch. And I was like, oh, okay, I definitely need to like check into this. And then you said, did you say entrepreneurship wizard, business wizard? What did you, what was that little piece in there that you just said? Yeah, business wizard, because I like making things fun. I feel like people get really scared when it comes to investing and money and business coaching. They take themselves so seriously. And I'm like, no, we're out here painting rainbow zebras. I'm out here collaging, uh, having fun and playing, wearing all the floral shirts. So I'm all about having fun and creating the magic that's within ourselves. I love it. I love it. So a lot of one of the things that I tell people all the time, which we often need a reminder, myself included, is to show up exactly who as who you are, right? Like don't put on these airs, like don't fit into the box. And I think for some, a lot of times I know that when we don't have people who look like us or we don't recognize our stories and other people, we go to what the status quo is. So how important is it for you to show up exactly as you are? And secondly, how did you evolve in that process, right? Because I'm assuming it wasn't like day one, hi, this is exactly who I, at least it wasn't like that for me, right? Like I've had to get comfortable, more and more comfortable with myself and just say, this is me. I'm I'm black. I'm a business coach. Like I'm an attorney that I don't really like, you know, litigating that much, but like, here I am, take it or leave it. So what was your process through that? I mean, being queer, I was raised not being able to be myself at all. I was in the closet until I was like 18 years old. So I was forced to not be myself. It was not okay to be myself in that big aspect. And queer is just a part of my identity. Growing up, I was in a Mexican household. We were undocumented, but we didn't really talk about our Mexican culture much at all. It was just the food. My mom made bomb food. Yeah. And I love to cook as well, but I didn't know there were different genres of Latin music. Like I didn't know salsa was a type of dance, not just like the salsa you eat that can be green and red. <laughs> I 
learned all about my identity when I went to college. So the older I got and the more I was exposed to different identities going to college, I was like, oh, there's gay people that are okay being gay. Oh, that means I can be gay too. I can be queer. Oh, I see this happen. Let me, I see myself in them and they're making it okay. So I've just taken that of like, I'm going to expose people to who I am and what I do and be okay with repelling people. But knowing that people that want to be around me, whether it's online or in person, will gravitate toward me because I'm being authentically me. And that's a life thing that also translates to your business. So it's only getting more exciting the more I'm diving in to myself and getting to know myself and sharing that with others. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely beautiful. This week in my business membership community, we're really talking about being visible. And I'm going to talk about messaging in a couple of days and just thinking about, you know, narrowing down our field. And oftentimes it feels really scary to narrow down the field, to choose, you know, a particular person that you want to help with, you know, a particular situation. And also on the flip side of that, it can be scary to show up exactly as we are because some people aren't going to like it and some people are absolutely going to love it. So how do you deal? And this is, you know, this is also like the coaching aspect of it too, but how do you deal or how do you tell other people to deal with that rejection where some people aren't going to feel you, but also some people are going to be feeling you a whole lot. And those are the people that you want to connect. The more you censor yourself, the more your audience will expect you to censor yourself. So when I started stepping into, I'm a money coach, I'm charging for my value, I'm starting a business, I got a lot of flack from people within my community, my friends who were triggered because I was stepping into business ownership, which is just not something that a lot of people are used to when you get a job or get a raise or get that master's degree, which we can talk about soon, or buy the house, people will will slide into your DMs and congratulate you. But as soon as you start a business, people are like, oh, that's scary. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. So people are just scared, but you've got to just do it anyway, because there are people like you and me who are doing this despite it being scary. And it's exciting. I'm all about the adrenaline rush of being a business owner. It's just something new every day that's exciting to me. It's totally something new every day. So how did you actually make that transition? Um, For me, I feel like the transition was kind of forced upon me. So I started working at a law firm right after I graduated law school. And, you know, I'm that person who always like looks at like, what's the top position and then make a plan for how to get there. So I just knew I was going to try and make partner in the shortest amount of time possible. And unbeknownst to me, the firm was having some financial struggles. And so since I was one of the last people to get hired, I was one of the first people to get let go. And then I feel like I just kind of fell into entrepreneurship as an attorney because my friend was telling me, Asha, you're doing the work anyway for these other attorneys. Why don't you just do it for yourself, right? It had never crossed my mind that I could actually be a business. It just wasn't in my realm of thought. So I'm always curious for folks, when did you decide and how did you decide that okay, I've got this knowledge, I've got something to offer. And instead of taking it to an employer, I'm going to take it to the world at large and be my own business owner. What was that like for you? I never felt like I fit in at the nine to five. I've had lots of different careers because I I shift my focus and I'm not afraid to try new things. So that wasn't the best for my career. I mean, I was a teacher, I was a tour guide, I worked as a stockbroker. But every time I was there, I was like, this is not a place where I can fully embrace myself where I feel like my skills are being valued, where I'm being supported and able to be set up for success to be promoted. If everywhere I go, I'm just going at the entry level. And I was tired of not making money. Honestly, in my 20s, I was tired of being exploited, of writing blog posts for free for other people getting paid via exposure, which is a scam. Don't do it. (laughs) Unless you're going to be on Oprah's podcast or something like that. (laughs) That's good exposure. 
So I was just tired and didn't feel like I belonged in the nine to five. So I was like, well, I have nothing to lose. I have these skills. I don't like making rich people richer working at the brokerage firm, trading Apple stocks for them. I want to make my community wealthier, at least normalize talking about money for them. So when I was working at a call center, it was those conversations that like the 30, 40 year old BIPOC folks, LGBT folks who'd never had money conversations with would call me. They didn't know me. They just like called the 1-800 number and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me learn about money and adulting, basically. So those are the conversations that inspired me to keep going despite facing transphobia and sexism, homophobia, all the phobias at that job that allowed me to quit when COVID was hitting. I just felt like Bruno and Encanto. I was seeing all the, like, the visions and I was very sensitive to the energy shift. I was like, I need to peace out. I have the money to quit. There's no excuse. And also let me get a full ride to an MBA program and start my side hustle. So all these things were just like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So why did you decide to focus on the money part of it? Like what was, you know, why money? It's something that the people can connect over because of how much it scares them or it stresses them out. Rarely do you ever hear people saying things like, I love money. Money has granted me so many opportunities and so many amazing travels. I hadn't even said it until I started journaling uh, letters to my money because I've traveled to 30 countries and I'm 31. Money has blessed me with so many opportunities, but our society, especially when we're marginalized, we're not supposed to want money or want to build wealth. And but I've made it work. And I was like, no, we deserve to talk about money in not such a negative way. And that happens by learning how to make money our bitch and using credit card points hacking and investing in the stock market, but most exciting investing in ourselves and our businesses. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And, you know, m- the money piece of it, right, because especially as people of color, BIPOC folks in the US, probably around the world, we you're absolutely right. You hit it on the head when you said like, we're not really even allowed to Money, like it, like I feel guilty. I think about this all the time. Like I still feel guilty if I'm like, oh, I want a beach house over here and a regular house in this city, right? Or I want to not have to work by the time I'm 45. There, it, it is, it is true that that is what I want, but there's some guilt that comes along with that. And I think that's very much like a a colonizer, white supremacist, you know kind of a thing like have you what have you what mind trash I guess have you had to dive into with some of the clients that you coach some of the BIPOC or queer clients that you coach around feeling worthy of I don't even say chasing after money but prioritizing making money yeah what you said is so important it is the colonizer mindset that makes us feel guilty to rest because rest was reserved for the wealthy white slave owner, whether they were in Georgia or in Colombia. It was always like rich white people that had the luxury of rest because they exploited people in order to plant cotton or plant sugarcane or work in the fields for them. So marginalized folks have internalized that, oh, rest is something that the bougie uh, slave owner can have. And that's changing, but we've still inherited these beliefs through our generational patterns, through our genes that, oh, no, rest, like peace is a trigger. And yeah, that's definitely something that I work with with my clients. But it's interesting because we feel this guilt no matter what income level. I've never made more than $40,000 in my life. And I coach clients who make six figures and they still feel the survivor's guilt of, oh my God, I'm the first to make this much money. I feel so guilty. There's so much work that I can be doing that I'm not doing. And I'm like, money is power, save money, invest money so you can donate it to causes you care about or donate to political figures that write policy. 
that you care about. So there's still so much more that we can do with money. And once we stop feeling guilty and transform that into an awareness of how money is power, that's when we're going to save the world. Because these Elon Musk billionaires shooting rockets up into the space, they're not saving the planet. We know how to do that. Yeah, right. I mean, absolutely. I, you know, so my community is really focused on building businesses that leave legacies, right? And not just the legacy of the business, but this financial legacy. And also, you know, what if we can make enough money to send our kids to college or give them the option to decide when to go to college or to pursue a trade or to give our children the down payment for that house that they really want, right? Not just legacy in terms of like when we're no longer on this earth, but what can we do right now and how can we use our businesses to build that wealth in the community? And I tell folks, you know, great, we need money for ourselves. We absolutely, people need money. We all need money to survive in this world. That's the currency that we use to, to get things done. But it not only transforms your personal life and your immediate family, but when you build a business, you can hire the people that you want to hire. If you have a brick and mortar or even an online business that has a strong presence in a community, your reach is exponential. And then one thing we don't think about oftentimes because we feel so excluded from the political landscape, these politicians get donations from their constituents, right? And money talks. And unfortunately, the more money you have, the louder your voice is. But that is the system that is currently at play. And if we want to make changes on a local level with our school systems, with our local elected officials, with our state elected officials and our national officials, then we actually need to have some currency to get our voices heard. So making money isn't just this personal, it can be this personal quest, but it really is so much bigger than just us as individuals. It's really transformative for our experience as a collective people that have been historically marginalized in the US and abroad. Asha for president, just saying, like, if you run, I'm gonna vote for you. I'll be the first in line. <laughs> you know what? I can't do it because my emotions are all over my face. My my face has no control over my emotions. It just speaks. So if you really want to know how I'm feeling, just look at me and you'll see it. I'll tell you just by looking at me. So, but thank you for your vote of confidence, Charlie. I appreciate it. I also would not be able to be a politician. I'm like, nah, I can't hide how I feel. No, and nor nor should we have to. So that's that's not my lane. I'm gonna stay in this one over here, not jump in that one. <laughs> so I want to know a little bit more about how you coach clients, and if people are interested in, you know, they're like, okay, I've, I I I want to be better with money, and I'm really connecting to Charlie's story. I want to work with them. What kinds of things can you help your client, or do you help your clients with? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Traveler Charlie with a Y because that's how they spell it out here in Latin America. Go to my website, TravelerCharlie.com. My only offer for working one-on-one with me is a six-month program where we talk about money mindset, credit card points hacking, investing in the stocks market, stock market, and business coaching. But I also do monthly free workshops as well. This month, I'm planning an Encanto-themed workshop based off the Disney movie for healing your self-doubt for entrepreneurs with my friend Yuri, who's a trauma-informed Latina life coach. So I've got lots of fun things going on, but I do love working one-on-one with my clients, but there's something for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So I love to travel and you're in Playa Playa del Carmen right now. So tell me about what inspired you to actually um, move to Playa and what has that been like operating a business remotely in paradise, as you called it? Yeah, so I was born in Mexico. I was born in Morelia, Michoacán, which is inland. There's no beach there. The food is the bomb, but I love the beach more than good food, apparently. So at age three, I'm a good Wait, Playa doesn't have good food? 
not as good as inland because there you saw like the gringos coming through the gringos to them these tacos are amazing but to me i'm like mm. you're like i know something you don't know and it's a michoacan okay i get it i get it <laughs> these are not michoacan south carnitas you're lying <laughs> I feel it. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm getting hungry now. You're probably getting hungry too. It's all good. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I tried making it work so much in the US. I've lived in Washington State, Washington, DC, Boston, California, Texas, Indiana. And by 30, I was like, I can't with this place. I would always come back to this area. Two or three years. I've never been a religious person, but I felt a connection to God when I was here. I felt so calm. And the beach is gorgeous. Life just feels like a throwback. Like you're back in like the 50s, which I'm an old soul. I should have been born in the 50s, but I thank God I wasn't because LGBT rights were non-existent then. Rights for most people that weren't cis white men. No, <laughs> neither one of us would have been happy in the 50s. This conversation would have been illegal. So. <laughs> totally, totally, 100%. Yeah. What? They're talking about money, <laughs> this internet thing. No. So yeah, I moved here because also the cost of living was lower and uh, I was getting my MBA remotely in the US for the first three months and it was not, uh, it didn't make sense for me to pay US rent to study remotely. So I said, okay, we don't know how long COVID's going to last. Uh, school admins keep saying one more semester, one more semester. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay, sure. So I moved to Mexico, just found a month long Airbnb. And yeah, with the cost of living, it just made sense to stay out here. And I haven't really found a reason to go back to the States. Like I pay $400 a month for my studio, five minutes from the beach. It's nothing fancy, but I definitely could not afford this in the States. Right. And yeah, I feel like I'm semi-retired out here because the money I make for my business, I just pump that back into my business and use it to scale my business. And I live off of my stocks and my brokerage accounts. So I already feel like I have way more time to just exist and live and heal and do craft nights with friends than I would have had in the States. I just like time is so expansive here than it is in the States because you're just forced to work to pay the rent, to pay the bills, to buy things. And here I've really had that on pause. But in Playa's also, it has some of the better internet, believe it or not, in Mexico. It could be worse. So. Good to know for my next trip. <laughs> so, so okay, wait, you said something that you just kind of slid in there, that you are living off of your stocks. And so everything that you're making from your business, you're reinvesting into your business. Explain that, break that down because, and about time being more expansive. So I've got like six questions. I'm going to try and make one, one really good one. Okay. I remember being, being younger, I don't know, like 10, 15 years younger. And I used to read a lot of chicken soup for the soul books when I was a kid. I think I'm probably an old school, old soul as well. And I just remember it was either in that book or just somewhere, you know, they were talking about like people at the end of their life. They always say, I wish I would have but nobody regrets the decisions. For the most part, people don't regret the decisions that they make. They regret the actions that they didn't take. And then I thought about the retirement age in the U.S. of being, you know, 65 and a half or whatever it is. And looking at, you know, the people in my life whose their knees don't work anymore. Like I got knee problems. I'm 38. I'm like, I don't want to wait to live my life right? So you have taken this step of essentially sort of reclaiming or just choosing a life that is affirming for you and letting go of this world in the US, the quote unquote, maybe quote unquote, the American dream, right? 
to move down to Playa to a place that just fits you and meets you where you are. And you're able to do that because in part because you are living off your stocks, but also like you've just created a system to be able to live now this semi-retired life, as you put it now, as opposed to waiting until you've got a bunch of gray hair and need assistance walking down the street. So how did you just like get your courage up or your gumption or whatever? Or maybe you didn't need courage because you're not like me. I needed I need a lot of courage to do it. But like, how did you just make that decision and stand strong in that decision? Like, yo, this is not what I need and want to do. And I'm going to do what I need and want to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. A lot of people think that decisions are irreversible, but that's not true. Uh, Other than death, so many decisions are reversible. If it didn't work out, then I would have just been able to come back to the US. If I didn't discover that I didn't need a master's degree in business to start a business. And I would have looked for a job after I got my master's and gone back to the US. But that was not the case. But I had no idea how it was going to unravel. I just listened to myself because I never regret listening to my intuition, no matter how painful the decisions have unraveled. I always learn something from them. And you can always, as long as you have the money, the financial security, that's what gives you the freedom to say yes. And then, oh, oh wait, actually, no, let's do something else and pivot. But it really comes down to the money for me because I'm highly anxious. I have high performing anxiety. It's called performing for a reason. But just having money has allowed me to move past the anxiety to make these baller life decisions. And that's what I want for everybody else. And I want to model that for people. I was one of the first people that was like quitting COVID. when COVID was hitting. I was quitting my job. People talk about the great resignation. I'm like, I did that a year ago. So Right. You're like, I started that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I coined the term. Just kidding. Yeah, right. Totally. Totally. Let's give Charlie credit for that. So then, so how long did it take you to, and like, what were some of the steps that you took to build this financial stability to be able to make a decision like that? Because I think, you know, you know, follow fire stuff. And apparently I need a whole bunch of money to be able to retire at 45. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Asha, don't get stuck on where you are now. Think about what you want, where you want to be and like how you're going to get there. That's the self-talk I have with myself. But, um, you know, a lot of times we like, we see the wins on IG, but we don't see the process. So do you have some tips for some listeners who are thinking about either relocating to another country or just like choosing a better life and want that financial freedom? What's some, what are some of the steps that they could take to make that happen? Yeah, they can definitely work with me, book a free call to talk with me about how I can work with you to come up with your plan and talk about your life goals. And this makes sense. Have you thought of this? I'm all about helping clients think about their life possibilities and money is just a tool for that. I'm really a life coach that just helps people live the lives that are aligned with themselves. But as we've talked about, money is a big factor that allows you to live your dreams. So that's why I call myself a money coach and the business lizard. But I just got really excited about your question. I already forgot. I think it was, let's see, what did I say? Oh, what are some of the steps that you took to financially prepare yourself to be able to make this move? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I grew up uh, in a very scarcity mindset home. So I was always good at saving money. I remember my dad used to ask me to lend him the money that he had given me because I was the child that was highly traumatized and scarcity mindset. Like I'll say, because I don't know, my family's very unpredictable with their money, but I got them, I guess, with my little piggy bank. So I carried that throughout. And I was when I became a documented uh, resident, had my green card, I was like, I don't care where I'm working. I'm working McDonald's. I turned 16 and worked at the drive through. I was ecstatic to just have a job and not be 
afraid of being deported, even though my last name was Johnson. I'm going to write a book called Deporting the Johnsons later, but that's another episode. Um, and then, yeah, I learned about credit card points hacking from cisgender white men that worked at the tour company that I worked out because they were the ones that inherited this knowledge. And it just made sense for us to uh, talk about credit card points hacking. And I just learned that credit cards aren't bad. You just have to learn how they work. And I've always been somebody that's paid my stuff on time. And I've never viewed credit cards as borrowed money for an emergency. No, I view them as debit cards. I pay them off in full every month. And you can get mad points and money if you have a big purchase coming up. You can spend $5,000 in three months and get mad points. You should be able to pay that off. But that's how I, I backpacked in Latin America for six months when I was making like ten or $15,000 in the summer. I didn't have to pay rent, which is a huge expense. Rent is a huge money siphon, especially in the US. So it's much cheaper for me, even flights included, to just fly to Colombia, Uruguay, Chile, Argentina, and Mexico than it would have been to just pay rent in the US living with five roommates like I had been in DC. And then I learned about investing when I was 26 because I had a friend working at Charles Schwab, an investment firm. She said she was a financial advisor. I was like, these white people keep talking about Roth IRAs. I don't know what it is. Should I open one? And she brought me in. And she's like, yes, you should do it. Look at look at this time, the time module of like the stock market. It doesn't matter if you make a lot of money or not. What matters is you invest in small amounts. If not, you'll miss the growth of the stock market. And that image stuck with me. And that's the image that I keep in mind like every day when I talk about money with people. That's why it's urgent for me. You don't have to make a lot of money. What matters is small amounts, move past the fear and let it compound. So from that moment of seeing a Chinese American woman talk to me about investing, because I would not have listened to a cishet white man talk to me about it. Now I took that moment and shared that with others. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Um, I think that's so important, right? Like you're so needed in the world and in the community at large because you're right. Like who the message is delivered from really, really matters. I joined this this coaching group. I won't I won't call them out by name because I'm still a part of the group. When I joined this group, like I logged on to our first Zoom meeting, and literally it was it was like a screen full of like middle aged uh, white women. And I, like from the Midwest and it took such a, it was like such mental gymnastics for me to feel comfortable enough. Now I grew up in Portland, Oregon, so I'm really, you know, I'm comfortable around white folks. Right. But there was something in my mind that was like, these women can't teach me a thing because they're going to make assumptions about me. I, my life is not similar to theirs. And it wasn't an insecurity thing. Like I don't know as much of them. It was just purely a comfort level thing. Right the jokes that they were making about their grown children. I was like, I can't relate to that. So especially with the topic that is like as sensitive as money, like money just has an emotional pull for us, um, maybe around the world, but certainly in the United States. Like I encourage you who are listening to find somebody that you feel comfortable with and that you trust because, you know, I'm like, let it be Charlie, like let Charlie tell you their story and tell Charlie your story because Charlie was going to help you work through whatever your goals are, whatever those blocks are. That's what a lot of the, the personal financial coaches do, but get with someone who you can trust because we all have this money story. 
We all have a money story, whether money was abundant or not abundant, whether we were viewed as a burden because there wasn't enough money to pay for the things that we needed, or whether we were that financial backbone of our family, you know, there are still things that we have to work through. So don't let the knowledge, the investing, the the unknown scare you out of taking that step to learn more. So, so reach out to Charlie, get the information and then figure out what move is right for you. So that, that I'll get off my soapbox right now, but I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands that because yeah, the information is, you know, the information isn't drastically different, but how we can apply it to our own lives, that's the piece, right? Like you're talking about not taking or, you know, not listening to these like old white men because you just don't feel a connection to them about what they can tell you about investing because the, the assumption is that we have nothing in common, right? But this Asian woman who is closer to you than this old white man, like, oh, let me, I trust the words that are coming out of your mouth. And now it has actually transformed your life and allowed you to live, you know, how you're living now. So I think that that's, that's awesome. So don't be afraid folks to reach out and find somebody that you connect with and uh, identify with. The other thing I wanted to say too about the credit card point tacking, I need to do better at that, but I do love my uh, travel rewards credit card. And I spent about six weeks in Colombia at the end of 2021. And one of my friends is like, oh, your business must be doing great because you you spent six weeks out of the country. And I'm like, you know, business could always be better, right? But the thing is, when you move around or different, depending on what country you go to, like I save more money paying rent in Colombia than I did living and eating in Oakland, <laughs> even though I still had to pay my rent in Oakland. Because the cost of living and the food and the activities are so much cheaper in other places that I saved money, even though I was not living this double life, but, you know, still paying rent in Oakland. So again, don't be limited by the present situation. Look forward into what you want and then figure out a path to help you get there. So Charlie, I have a couple more questions. You love to travel. I love to travel. Um, What are some of your favorite countries that you have been to? Colombia, since you've just mentioned it, that's one of my favorite countries. I've already been there. Yeah, I've been there three times already. The first time I went was in Bogota, Medellin, and Cartagena. I was just there for three weeks serving in the Peace Corps in Nicaragua for two years. And it was like almost the end of my service. And I decided to travel to Colombia and I fell in love with the colors, the geodiversity, the cities are so different from each other, the beautiful accents. It's not that big of a country, but there's just such diversity. Just take a plane ride an hour away. Like, yes, Medellin people keep talking to me with, I don't, I can't even describe their accent, but let me play some Maluma. Listen to Maluma, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> totally, totally. And people on the coast, the Costeños have like their own slang. And they were, I was talking with folks and they were like, yeah, the folks in Bogota don't understand a word we're saying. I'm like, ooh, tell me more. You're like, good. Now I don't feel so bad, but give me some more arepas con huevos. Y'all know how to cook out here on the coast. Yes. Yes, indeed. Where else? Where else do you love? Um, one of the most memorable experiences was in 2016. 20- 17 when I got laid off from my job in DC and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to just travel to Southern Africa. I'm going to go to Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. I'm going to, I'm going to like get into the devil's pool. There's literally a pool of water on the edge of Victoria Falls on the Zambia side. 
that you pay a tour guide, walk for 40 minutes, and they'll take you to a pool and they'll like hold your legs and lift you up. So you're literally on the edge of Victoria Falls. And I'm not much of a daredevil. Like I will never bungee jump. I've never skydived. But at that moment, I just felt so alive. It was an incredible experience for me to just feel like, fuck yeah, stick it to the man. I'm getting laid off. But I'm on the other side of the world seeing the world. Like <laughs> You can't tell me nothing. So that was an amazing experience just for me to prove to myself that I was alive, even though I felt dead inside after getting laid off and doing the whole rat race thing. And then I got a, a message from a hospital that had confirmed that my Medicaid would cover my top surgery when I was in Cape Town, South Africa. So all the things aligned for me to go back to DC to get my basically gender affirming top surgery. And I went to Brazil too before that. So South Africa, Zimbabwe and Brazil in three months. Now I travel way more slowly. I'm like, thank God I lived my 20s. I did what I needed to do. And now I'm like, I want to be right. Airbnb for at least a week in a spot. I don't want to camp in the backyard okay. in my single pet with the chickens anymore. Right. There's levels to this stuff, right? Like what we did in our 20s might not be how we want to travel in our 30s, but I'm so inspired and just like, you know, lit up by your story and by your willingness to just do what you need to do. And I'm sure it hasn't always been easy for you to do that, but you're such an inspiration and, and such a light to the entrepreneurship community, the Latinx community, the queer community, the BIPOC community, just the community in the world at large. So I am so grateful that you are here with me on this podcast today, like just exposing for people how to build a business and leave a legacy. The last thing that we didn't get to, you're in business school. I went to business school. We had a little quick chat on email this morning about how business school is kind of a waste of time or well, I said waste of time and you said you don't need an MBA to start a business. So let's just close with that. Like, what is your message to folks who were like, oh my God, I don't have enough education. I don't know what to do to start my business. That's how I connected with you in the first place. I heard you speak on Janice's podcast on the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. And you said, yeah, you don't need an MBA to start a business. And I was like, that part, because I was halfway through my MBA. I was so burnt out. I hired Kat Del Carmen, my business coach, to really get things going in my business. And it just made so much more sense. If you want to work for yourself, hire a business coach. You want to go back to the nine to five and become CEO, then yes, you should probably go to business school. But pretty much none of the things I was learning in business school were applicable. If anything, they were harming my entrepreneurship journey because they make you feel like you have to stay within the zoo. You're a zoo animal. You need to copy the words in the resumes and spit out a cover letter that reflects the resumes so you can be the perfect cookie cutter version of what employers want. And they'll be more likely to hire you and pay you more if you have an MBA. And that's the opposite of what entrepreneurship is. Because if you commodify yourself and make yourself be just another money coach or the other business coach that has the same templates on Canva, no one's going to want to hire you because you don't bring anything special to the table and you don't differentiate yourself. So if anything, being getting my MBA was harmful for my entrepreneurship journey. I just felt a huge weight being lifted once I finished that degree where I said, okay, I can be myself now and I can hire an accountant. I don't need to do accounting myself. Right, right. No, I, I 100% agree with that. I remember when I was young and I don't know if I'd started my own business yet, but a friend of mine has this awesome media company in Oakland and he didn't go to college and he's self-taught in all of his media um, skills and things like that. And he said, when he works with other entrepreneurs, he said the ones who went to college have a much harder time or have formal education, have a much harder time in entrepreneurship than the ones who didn't. And so the reason why is because in in school, they tell us what's possible and they tell us how to do it. 
But in entrepreneurship, we are supposed to be busting through ceilings and, you know, walls all the time. And so it's being able to think outside of that box and dream of what is possible, not being stuck by what is. So if you are thinking about going to get an MBA and you want to go work for somebody else, that's awesome. But if you are ready to start your business, you don't need more formal education. You need mentors along the way, like Charlie, like business coaches, like attorneys, like accountants to help you get to where you need to go. So Charlie, tell us one more time where folks can find you if they're interested in coach and even just like want to see life in Playa. Where can they find you? So find me at Traveler Charlie with a Y on Instagram, TravelerCharlie.com. And yeah, just DM me to say hi too if what, what we're talking about has resonated with you. I, this was so much fun. Thank you for having this platform and spotlighting people's voices too and normalizing entrepreneurship. We're all making it less scary for everyone and more exciting, which is the best part. Absolutely, Charlie. Thank you so much for gracing this podcast with your presence. Thank you for your light and your laughter and all the skills that you share with the world. All right, Transcend, we will see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Hey family, I am so thankful that you are here listening to Transcend the Podcast and I just want to make sure you know the best way to stay in contact with me and that's through joining my email newsletter. So please head on over to the wilkersonlawoffice.com slash newsletter and join the list. I will tell you everything over there from what my offerings are to bits and pieces of information about how to grow and scale your business to self-coaching all the way to giving you updates on what the new podcast episode is. So don't hesitate. Go do it now. The wilkersonlawoffice.com slash newsletter. Thanks.